Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast, uh, Season 2, Episode 42. We're so excited to get have our friend uh, Dick Foth with us again today with a session of Back Channel and Foth. And then we'll jump in with our interview with Dr. Johan Mustart, where we talk about the stress of missionary life, um, burnout, and uh, whole life discipleship. Dick, so glad to have you with, uh, with us back on the podcast today. I'm glad to see you, Hale and Hardy, and also back on the podcast. And uh, just, I've been looking forward to being with you. uh, It's exciting. It's exciting. Dick, um, first question I have for you today is, recently, um, you and I, we talked about fundraising, and you you shared um, some insight and tips on that. And then I had a host of, or quite a few questions come in after that that episode uh, aired. And this person said, um, recently, you shared about fundraising. How can someone who is new to raising funds not be intimidated by asking um, for support? You know, I think think that's that's a wonderful question for one singular reason is that I think we tend to put fundraising, what we call fundraising, in the sort of us and them category if, if we aren't careful. Yeah. And even though, um, even though we can think of uh, those folks early on who uh, started this process, you know, I'll, I'll go down and you hold the rope, all that. Yeah. Uh, there's that tendency. So I'm just going to toss out three or four things that I think are key to this. And uh, this may seem like a no brainer, but the, the essence of fundraising or the essence of helping people to participate with us in the mission we feel God has called us to, the, the heart of it is prayer. Hmm. And you say, well, I expect that. I'm praying about everything. Uh, of course. You're like, <laughs> But, but, I, but I'd like to be more specific. Um, rather than just pray about, okay, which or what congregations do I go to, or which pastors more particularly, or which missions directors do I hit up for a dollar? Oh, yeah? Or a, <laughs> or a fennig or whatever. Um, I would suggest taking it out of the which category and put it in the who category. Hmm. Uh, one of the things in going to Washington, D.C., where at age 51, I had to kick back into the fundraising mode, Yeah, was uh, there were some folks who encouraged me to, instead of thinking about a large group of people giving a little, what hmm. about thinking about a few people who might feel uh, more deeply uh, committed and connected yeah. to us? Uh, I remember my friend Ashcroft, who's been on this program, John, yeah. Uh, who, when he ran for senator, he said, the challenge with raising monies to be a senator is that you are limited in how much any individual can give. And so you have to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars and pick it up all off the floor in dimes. Wow. That that was his comment. And so what about praying this way? Lord, who who is it that you have out there who, who might want to be more intimately connected with us in in this way and 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 see how that see how that leads not just the the breadth but the depth of a commitment second thing is that this isn't about you you aren't asking for you i'm intimidated if i'm i'm embarrassed if i'm asking for me sometimes right this is about the mission this is about those folks who who don't have a snowball's chance in July of knowing what life looks like in Jesus, unless someone like you shows up. 
right? Yeah. So secondly, they are not giving their money to you. They are investing in the mission. Hmm. And there is what businessmen called an ROI, a return hmm. on investment, which you'll never see this side of heaven. Okay. Oh, you might see indicators of it, but right. you don't know, right? Yeah. The kingdom of God is mostly invisible. So if you think of it as, as encouraging people to invest in a mission and that this is something that you are, <clears throat> you are doing together. There are, there are some folks who have capacity who, if you say, this is the mission, um, would you consider praying with mm -hmm. us to see what, at, at, at what level or what piece of this you might want to do? You need to understand that you're helping that person. Hmm. And I said that before, that, that when you ask somebody to participate with you, you are helping that person. It's good. Good word. Good word. In the second question they sent in, Dick, very kind of very similar. It's the same same person. Um, if someone is new to raising funds and they're not, they're, they're, it's like being given a roadmap with no real starting point. They, they don't know where to start. <laughs> it says, my, my leadership has given me a basic direction. Um, and it, but I'm having, I'm struggling finding where do I start in this? Um, where does someone start when they're learning to, 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 as you said, um, asking people to partner with you. I think you start in the five and a half inches between your ears. Hmm. Is it this, the starting place for any endeavor, hmm. especially when it's entrepreneur, especially yeah. when you're starting with nothing, if you will, <clears throat> is that how do I think about this? And I think I've, I've framed some of those ideas yeah. already, but I think that the, that the um, essence of getting somebody to participate with you is your passion. Hmm. If you sit down and share a dream with one individual, and again, hmm. we tend to think in groups, we tend to think, how do I get this congregation or this, this how, how do I get this system to work on my behalf? Yeah. I, would, I would back away from that more hmm. and say, who are those people? Because if I would, I would encourage you again to pray in, if I can use that language, two or three advocates. Hmm. Adv an advocate is a person who speaks on your behalf. Hmm. What if you were to say, Lord, before I start this huge challenge, it's going to take me two years to raise all this money or however, my, you know, whatever the rule of thumb is these days, you know, and it depends where you are in the world. Yeah. Um, what if I were to pray in two or three folks, uh, because I think two or three, like yeah. Matthew says, is the most powerful number in the universe. Hmm. And revolutions are started by two, three, four people, right? Yeah. And, and say, Lord, give me two or three friends, not just quote a team, yeah. two or three friends who so identify with this, that they would again, become voices on my behalf. So I would start there. Yeah. And, and that's all I have to say on the subject. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> a lot more to say. It'll just go around the same tree. You know? Yeah. No, it's great. Dick, always gold. And um, appreciate you sharing your wisdom and insight with us. We're going to go ahead and jump into the interview today with Dr. Johan. And um, no time better than now to get started. So here we go. 
Well, greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with a, another new friend, Dr. Johan Mostert. I think I said it correct. Um, I can't say it with the great accent that he says it, and uh, but I tried my best in my West Virginia accent. So, Johan, would you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience today? Um, my goodness, yeah, that's a, I've been through seven reinventions of who I am from from pastor in South Africa to social worker to psychologist to managing our welfare department of the church in South Africa to jobless for uh, five years. And then uh, since 2004, professor of psychology at um, AGTS. And then uh, four years ago into my dream job with um, Compact Family Services, which is the AG's uh, child and family uh, welfare services attached to the general council. I've got all that. Com- wow. compact. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, lots of hats, you know, I, I collect hats. Yeah. Yeah. And originally where are you, where were you born and raised? Cape town, Cape town, South Africa, the mother city. Um, uh, and then, well, born and raised 12, 14 different schools in my 12 years of, of wow. education. So that's a complicated question. Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cape Town is a beautiful place to be born and even spend a little bit of time. And uh, we've had the honor and pleasure to to spend a, a week or two in Cape Town. And uh, my kids and my wife, uh, we love it. You know, beautiful people, beautiful place, and phenomenal food. And uh, and that's I guess I just got my 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 South African wife passed away six years ago and uh, got married again to an, an American lady yeah. from uh, South Dakota and. Yeah. Uh, um, I took her to Cape Town on our, our wedding uh, honeymoon last yeah. year. And, oh, my goodness, what a pleasure to show her the, the best city in the world. It was just oh, glorious. Man. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. Johan, um, you know, we've obviously going through COVID and going through this difficult um, time that we've uh, we've been in. And as you know, as we prayed that uh, there's not a, a lot of certainty going on, but as leaders and as, as overseas workers and missionaries, a lot of what we're looking for is clarity. And, um, you know, as you and I were dialoguing back and forth about what we could share and learn from you today about we one of the things that came up was managing anxiety um, and burnout and life and mission. What are some lessons that you've learned and um, some wisdom and insight you could share with the audience? Because I think that's something that we've all bumped up against. Um, yeah. Maybe we haven't in the past, but even at this time of COVID, you know, as I say, things are getting squeezed out of us that, mess, that we didn't necessarily know were there. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, and, and uh, the context of, of, of talking, talking about burnout, depression and stress um, in a missionary context, it's unique, <laughs> very unique. Hmm. Oh, that's a uh, so so. One of my doctoral students, uh, Valerie Rance, um, did her PhD on uh, on um, on burnout in missionaries, hmm. <clears throat> and and tried to find out you know the coping mechanisms and that sort of thing. But <laughs> she had a very huge difficulty in trying to measure trauma. <clears throat> Uh, because the normal trauma scales that you would use in a clinical practice, <laughs> missionaries would blow the top off of that. I mean, yeah. you know, new context, new language, yeah. new flavors, new yeah. uh, kids adjusting. I mean, there's, there's just no way that a normal um, trauma scale could even yeah. be. She actually had to dev- devise her own trauma scale wow. uh, to, to get a 
<clears throat> sort of a, a range of trauma for, for missionaries and then looked at PTSD and, and the correlation and all that. So as, a, a, as an occupational class, I'm not talking about ministry, <laughs> as an occupational class, yeah. missionaries um, per definition already are, um, I almost said highly traumatized, uh, are, are, um, are in a unique situation that their that their occupational group yeah has been um uprooted and placed in a new context and all the stuff that we're just talking about so even before we talk about covid and the economic crisis and all that i mean starting at a very high um baseline yeah um, and, and so just a normal missionary is already yeah. experiencing significant trauma you're smiling <laughs> it's, it's, no i i, I can because I, I know i'm a west virginia boy that got la- landed in france and then from france to burkina faso and um i know all about the the levels of stress and uh the, the tension i always said my hard drive was already full um just by getting through the day let alone and then anything else it w- it just added to the stress and anxiety i i'm smiling because i i resonate with what you're sharing <laughs> you know, so so when we talk about stress and PTSD and and burnout of missionaries, we're already starting at a at a high baseline, and then add to that the last a, a couple of months where um, where COVID has turned everything upside down. Yeah. Um, not only your travel restrictions that some missionaries are facing, like yourself, yeah. <laughs> unable to move out of Madagascar, but um, but also the 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 implications of um, let me let me refer back to the United States first or globally the church in the West um, even the concept of church is being questioned yeah what 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 is normal church going to look like yeah after yeah. COVID what does missionary look like yeah. after COVID yeah what what are the financial implications for local churches and their support of missionaries when they haven't even found out what they're going to be doing to survive uh, locally. Yeah. Um, I was talking the other day, I mean, there was an article in, uh, oh goodness, what, some magazine uh, where, where the writer said, the end of colleges is here. Um, hmm. You're thinking, wait, what? <laughs> Just... Uh, the sport and you know the sports guys yeah. are cons- the end of uh, 60 80,000 people sitting in a stadium right. is that gonna happen again yeah. um, uh, so I mean we're talking about not only um, have we started at a high base of, of, of anxiety <clears throat> but the circumstances the financial implications the the conceptual f- implications yeah um we're wrestling with that yeah yeah so what are what's some what do you how can missionaries as they walk through this oversee workers what are some things that maybe they should be aware of or um, be looking out for in this time of, of increased anxiety um if you as you just shared I, I i think i was thinking about this this morning as as i was preparing to to come online we here with you <laughs> I think it's going to be important for them to be able to differentiate between uh, normal stress 
Hmm. Um, uh, depression. Yeah. Um, and burnout. Yeah. So, so stress, I mean, stress is just that um, one writer called it the non-specific response to, to, any, to any challenge. I mean, we have to have stress. Uh, our, our muscles have to stress up to get out of bed in the morning, you know? That's right. The day that you stop having stress is when you're lying in your coffin. So <laughs> there's no more stress in the body. Yeah. So, so stress is something that, that all of us live with. And it's uh, and stress is good, yeah, because it motivates us, motivates people like you to continue studying <laughs> one after the other after the other. <laughs> when the exam is coming, you know, that's right. You understand stress, you know, for sure. And that's we refer to that as you stress, good stress, yeah, because it, it develops a drive. However, <laughs> um, when when you get to hyper stress. Um, and and the stress of life um, starts overwhelming you. Mm-hmm. Um, then then you're then you're in danger. You're in physical danger. I mean, um, bodily medical danger. Uh, yeah. Just overstressed um, cardiovascular, gastrointestinal. I mean, <clears throat> all, all kinds of things. So so stress is one thing. Yeah. Depression um, is is much more complex. Um, this morning, because uh, I ate too much barbecue last night, you know, yeah. or uh, um, I'm feeling down because the weather's, uh, you know, I, I don't like the weather, <laughs> or yeah. uh, <clears throat> all the way through to um, man, I, I'm starting to. Um, get confused in my thinking. I'm, uh, um, my moods are out, you know, my, um, I'm withdrawing from, from, from social interaction. Um, I'm, I'm starting to develop irrational fears <clears throat> and, and clinical stress, uh, cl- clinical depression is something that, r- that we really ought to consider more seriously. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And and the the medical <clears throat> medical biological um, can I call it um, the family tree? If if depression is part of the family tree, um, you've got a whole lot more chances of of suffering from clinical depression. And 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 you need you need you need help with that. Um, that that's just a <laughs> just a medical fact. <laughs> Um, so, so stress is one thing. Stress can lead to depression, but it's not the only cause of depression. You've got all the clinical biological uh, issues as well. <clears throat> Burnout is, um, uh, my <clears throat> Dr. Hart, uh, the psychologist from, from Fuller, uh, who's also South African, by the way, um, <laughs> said, <laughs> he did such great work for us uh, laying the foundation. But anyway, he said compassion, uh, burnout is, is compassion f- fatigue. It's the penalty for those who care too much. Hmm. Hmm. The penalty for those who care too much. So uh, burnout is when, <clears throat> man, you just, you got these high expectations. You've got these, you're working hard and, you don't see any results and 
there's no end in sight. There's, uh, you start getting physically, mentally exhausted. You <clears throat> sometimes getting into cynical uh, responses, um, which is not very good for missionary interaction <laughs> with the locals. Um, yeah. Senses of hopelessness and despair. <clears throat> Excuse me. And and when you start losing your belief that uh, <clears throat> there's any there's no there's no better future for you, yeah. then you then you devolve into this sense of of burnout. Now burnout isn't uh, isn't fatal. Um, it, it's um, it just wipes out your your ministry. Yeah. Stress can be fatal. Hmm. Stress can be fatal. Stress, if you don't manage your stress, um, it could biologically kill you. So differentiating between those elements um, is very, depression is only fatal, obviously, when you're so depressed that suicidal thoughts and self-destructive thoughts uh, become part of of um, of that syndrome. But I mean, so I think very important that you, you d- differentiate between stress, depression, <clears throat> burnout. Yeah. Um, and a lot of our missionaries, because of the, oh my goodness, because of the undefined <laughs> role, the, uh, I mean, when do you, uh, it's like a pastor. When do you stop working for the Lord? You know, when yeah. do you, you don't go home at the end of the day and say, <laughs> Okay, I have now stopped working in the church, you know. Yeah. Missionaries don't stop. Yeah. It, and so that lack of definition of, um, that, that's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it'll just suck you in. Yeah. You know, my parents came to visit us here, and uh, my mom and dad said, your house is like Grand Central Station. You know, I mean, it's just because it's uh, – there is, you know, there is, as you've just highlighted, you know, I came from working in a hospital where there were clearly defined. Um, now, you, sometimes you took work home with you, but your work was done. When you clocked out, yes. you were done. Yes. Um, but as a missionary, you're 100% right. Those lines are very blurred, and it does seem like a constant running um, running cycle. And so what are some things that we can, as people listening in, what are the, some things they can uh, do to know if they're managing, as you shared about um, stress um, and, and maybe maybe some the depression or burnout? How do they know if they're managing it well, or maybe they're in a place of, of danger? Um, I think listening to your wife would be a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> It's always good to listen to your wife. Yeah. Uh, it's always good to listen to those that are close to you, that are watching over you. And um, God bless those people that have taken spiritual oversight and pray for you and, and are, are, are able to speak into your life. Um, Valerie Rance, um, in her research, found that um, 94% of, of missionaries reported trauma multiple times in a single year so um wow yeah I'm, we're talking <laughs> we're talking about a serious issue yeah. here so so listening to those that speak into your life um looking at um looking at what the stressors are uh, looking at um setting some boundaries my goodness yeah. um uh, you're not going to be able to do the boundaries like you said, coming away from the hospital and going home and, right. and clo- or closing the office or 
putting off your cell phone or things like that. But but you start you have to have some form of boundary, yeah, just to survive. Yeah. Um, and and if 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 if, um, if you're getting indications that um, that you're not adapting or not adjusting as well as you ought to. Um, seek some professional advice. My goodness, that's what that's what member care is all about. That's yeah. what um, supporting, uh, getting support from from professionals are all about. Um, it used to be such a, <laughs> I mean, in our Pentecostal circles, you know, pray some more, you know, yeah. read some more Bibles. Yeah, like, you tell that to a person that's got. OCD tendencies and they'll be <laughs> that's not good. Yeah. They're gonna take a chapter a day will keep the devil away, you know. And yeah. it's like uh, you need good professional inputs, people that are that are attuned to the spirit, yeah, but can but can identify some of the more common uh, clinical syndromes. So and, and that may include medical, medical and, and pharmacological help. Yeah. Um but doing a good self-assessment, uh, you were talking about discipleship uh, as as uh, uh, linking this to discipleship. I think that's that's, right. that's, that's uh, so. A lot of this stuff um, is is good discipleship outcomes. In other words, well, let me back up first. In the past, we, we we've sort of we've sort of um, what can I call it? We've sort of reduced discipleship to a couple of spiritual disciplines, you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, a, a chapter. They'll keep the devil away. You know, yeah. it's uh, going the church and paying your tithes. And, but discipleship is certainly a whole lot more than that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, uh, a couple of years ago, um, a, a team of us got funding from the current family foundation um, who, whose purpose was to, to link or to help pastors bridge the gap between Sunday and Monday. In other words, <laughs> that discipleship is not about what happens in the church on Sunday, yeah. but it's all about what happens on Monday That's the rest right. of the week. Of calling, it's about character and all this. And we got funding to put together um, what we called an outcomes-based um, holistic discipleship assessment. Hmm. A couple of thousand people have taken the assessment, and <clears throat> we, we've divided um, uh, discipleship into spiritual dimensions, obviously, character dimensions, mm-hmm. uh, relationship dimensions, yeah, uh, calling dimensions, and work dimensions. Hmm. So that so that instead of measuring discipleship as something that you must know. We've turned it around and asked ourselves the question: uh, What does a disciple do? You know, wow. what what are the outcomes? What are yeah, the, what's the fruit yeah. of the tree? Yeah, and um, uh, I, I'm really excited about the, uh, your discipleshipdynamics.com. Yeah, you must set link with <laughs> um, the assessment is online, um, and what it'll do is it'll give a 13 to 15 page printout for the person to look at all aspects, the the way that they're dealing with the future, the the way they're dealing with the past, the way they're dealing with their finances, the way they're dealing with their 
their understanding of their calling of the of the industry that they're in. So yeah. in this, you've got to know the industry uh, missions That's right. as a subsection of the employment opportunities within a church yeah. denomination. So, so in, in, in this case, it's not just your employment, your industry as a, as a medical doctor or right. as a, you have to understand what's happening in your industry and yeah. your industry is missiology, you know? Yeah. So, so you're asking questions like that, at all of these being aspects of discipleship. Hmm. Yeah, discipleship is important to me. Yeah, no, for sure. And so when you talk about that, as far as the discipleship, it's a whole life, it's whole life, not just a, a segmented sure. part. Is, that's what I'm hearing, hearing you say. Yes. Is, that, is that true? Yes, indeed. And so is if that whole life encompassing, if, if someone would go and we'll put the link to the um, to the assessment there, or so, or so are there common challenges that people run into integrating discipleship as a whole life um, uh, mentality or whole might discipline um, rather than trying to segment it out? Is there common challenges you see people that they run into? <laughs> we I've used this in in classes, uh, my MDiv classes, chaplaincy classes, and and in my doctoral courses for for the relief and development track uh, of the intercultural studies uh, doctorate. And one of the one of the interesting comments that students of, uh, often have are one of the, one comment is, um, "Wow, you asked me about uh, my money. I I never thought that." being something uh, of discipleship or you asked about oh my goodness um my relationship with my wife or or you know reaching out to the, uh, the uh, to the quartet of the vulnerable you know all of these are discipleship issues that they're clearly scripturally based yes <laughs> but people don't think environment for instance i mean the earth is the lord's it's hmm. you know and we, so Asking people questions about all sorts of aspects of discipleship, the response is sort of, "Oh, I never thought about that." Yeah, um, and and the the they tend to sort of defer to the spiritual disciplines, you know. <laughs> great. I mean, yes, we we need, but but when you're when you're not managing your money or you're not managing sexuality or you yeah. you know. Uh, you've got issues with um, with online porn, right? You know, you've got obsessive compulsive issues, and and transferring that to Bible reading eh, ain't gonna do it. You know, yeah. you're gonna kill the whole Bible, but you're not gonna handle the. Okay, right. I'm getting off track here, but I mean, what no, I'm no, saying no. is, it's 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 all of of. Obviously, it doesn't encompass all of discipleship. Yeah, it's comprehend. It, it's 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 holistic, but it's not comprehensive. Yeah. But at least it uh, it gives thirty five different outcomes, assessing the the disciples and thirty five outcomes. And it, my goodness, it's a fantastic discussion document. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure, and it'd be great for teams to go through, or teams to go through, yeah. and couples to go through. I think it'd be a valuable resource um, for to just assess and see where we're at. I'm all about objective-based learning and objective-based um, teaching, because uh, I figure if there's... Well, but if there's no objectives, you're just kind of, you know, you're in the wind. Um, it's great ideas, but uh, I, do like to, I do like to measure things in the process, which comes to my next question. 
And so, you know, as we, we look at the whole life discipleship and we talked about um, uh, stress and those type things, obviously you, you share we're Pentecostal believers. How does that integration of objective-based learning and then the, the Holy Spirit component, it's, it's, it's not something you can objectify necessarily on a piece, on a piece of paper. And so how does that integrate into this? And what's fascinating is we, we always know, we knew that Jesus is the answer, and we know that his Holy Spirit is, is available to us to transform. Yeah. What we miss sometimes is well, oh, what we normally apply that to our spiritual disciplines, yeah. to fast, you know, to, yeah. to Bible reading, to church, all that. We, we seem to forget that the Holy Spirit is there also to help me cope with tomorrow. Hmm. The Holy Spirit is also there to help me cope with my traumas of the past, my PTSD. Yeah. So, so, so we kind of separate those other discipleship issues, which I now call discipleship issues. But, but you know, we don't, we don't bring them into the same category of, oh, well, the Holy Spirit is here to help me with my finances or, yeah. my, or, or, or to, or to have me more uh, objectively reach out to those, the, the, the quartet of the vulnerable, the poor, the, the, the foreigner, the, the orphan, the, the, the widow. So, so it's almost as if we, we compartmentalize the Holy Spirit, especially as Pentecostals. Oh my goodness. For us, if you've sp- spoken in tongues, that's it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like now I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. But goodness gracious, that's that's the beginning yeah. uh, of seeing the power of God in practical ways in in all of these issues. That's good. That's good. You know, and, and Mount, I, we were talking a little bit before we um, hit the record button, but it, the Bible was translated here by the London Missionary Society in Madagascar, and um, they translated the Holy Spirit as the Discipliner. And um, and so any anywhere anywhere in the the Malagasy Bible translation, as you see, Holy Spirit is the discipliner, the discipliner, and really how that shapes um, has shaped in the past their understanding of the role of the Holy Spirit in our life, in their hearts and lives is they were basically the one that came to punish, um, you know what I mean? And it, just how a translation now that's a translation of a physical book, but what I hear you saying is it's how we translate our understanding of the Holy Spirit in this whole life discipleship in each of these areas is yes. greatly important because if not, you know, we might say, well, the Malagasy has got it wrong, but in American life, we, if we're, we're compartmentalizing the Holy spirit, just to the spiritual parts of our life, we're, we've got that, um, we're greatly limiting the, the Holy spirit in, in that context too. And so, um, anyway, it's, it's been interesting. You, the cultural things you walk into and the things you understand and, they're not going to change the Bible translation. I can tell you that it's uh, it's written in uh, it's written in stone. So <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah, the, sorry, the, the, go ahead. The South African translation also. Um, oh my goodness! What allow the allow the Holy Spirit now also to to determine your life course. Hmm. Be filled with the Spirit. Oh my goodness, I can't remember the English now. But you know, <laughs> I'm an Afrikaner boy, and sometimes we're stuck in Afrikaans up here. But the, the idea is that when you're filled with the Spirit, allow the Spirit also now to prescribe your life, prescribe your 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 life course. It's somewhere there in Galatians. That's also in the Bible. 
Yeah, yeah, it's good. That's good. Well, hey, before we move um, into uh, asking you to pray for the audience, um, this one, this one last question or. You know, there's a lot of negative things going on. And so uh, there we all you have to do is open your computer or look at your phone or, or talk to somebody and it'll end up being COVID and vaccines in the world, you know. Is, yep. is there anything as you look out over the landscape that in, encourages you? Is there anything that you're looking at you're excited about and you think, you know, in the midst of all this seeming negativity, this is something that Johan is excited about and um looking positively towards the future. Cause I think that for the audience, uh, the positive, the positive things uh, will help encourage us. It's been, it's been a long time uh, sitting at the seminary has given us an opportunity really to look at ministry in a, in a wide, uh, in a wide context. And increasingly a lot of us have been concerned about our ecclesiology Mm-hmm. that our ecclesiology, the way we do church, mm-hmm. has become very westernized, has become very <clears throat> dependent on oratory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's become very, very dependent on <clears throat> large crowds. You yeah. know, our emphasis in ecclesiology, though it worked well <clears throat> for 100 plus years, yeah. Suddenly, all of that stuff is being taken away from us. Yeah. Um, do I see positive? Oh, yeah. I mean, we had one student from the underground church in China who was doing our doctoral program who was just amazed at the way that the Americans do church. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, and, and flourishing of the church, underground church, as relationships, as as I got to depend on brothers and sisters. Um, I, I see this as a very, very positive consequence. Yeah. We really have to ask ourselves questions about what church is. And that's a good thing. It is. <laughs> Back to the it's an excellent thing. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that um, our, our financial systems in the world are being challenged significantly. The way that we do um, that we promote the GDP by creating more debt and, <laughs> and, and the way that we measure GDP is just by how people spend. So on an, on a global economic level and in a, on a, on ecclesiastical level, I'm excited. I, I don't know what it looks like yet, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, shaking up the, the foundations and that can be scary. I, I get it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but but that that God is doing something globally. Yeah. Uh, that is unclear. But for for us, it should be something that says, "Wow, Lord, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you haven't lost control. What is next? Yeah. And how do that my current capacities, talents?" that God has invested in my life, uh, my interests, my, 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 my learning, my experience. Okay, Lord, I'm ready. How, how are we going to repurpose all of this yeah, in this mad new context? Yeah. So yeah. Change good. is disruptive. Yes. But uh, I, I'm really excited about it. 
That's awesome. Johan, would you pray for us today? We pray for the audience that, that, that um, God will use the, the words that you've shared with us, the wisdom, insight, and experience. So it's not, we do, head knowledge is good, but I would love to see it put into action. And um, you sharing about whole life discipleship. And like I said, we'll link that in the notes for people to, for the assessment there. I think that'd be valuable for our teams. Um, and this, the, 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 how you clearly delineated um, stress and, and, and depression and, um, and burnout. Maybe there's somebody listening in today and that resonated with, would you pray just a, a pastoral word for them and for us um, and that we can put the words that you shared into action in our life? Oh, amen. <laughs> Precious Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are the comforter. You are the one that comes to stand alongside Emmanuel, God with us. So I pray for my dear brothers and sisters spread throughout the whole world with this, this calling of God in their lives and being challenged as to what is the next step? Comforter, would you comfort them as they pause in your presence? Oh God, guide them, bless them. Give them direction. And if they are suffering from the depression that we spoke about or the burnout, would you guide them, I pray, to those who would be able to, to minister grace to them? We want to be disciples. We want to be Jesus followers, apprentices of the, of the great teacher, Jesus Christ. Teach us your ways, O oh God. We ask this in Jesus' name.